Hello and welcome to Kaiju Coffee Break. Are you doing it this time? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome to. Oh, do you want to do it opposite? That'd be kind of funny. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Kaiju Coffee Break, the podcast about giant monsters and the giant nerds who love them. I'm Lee and I love monster movies. And I'm Sarah and I wanted to make a podcast about bowhead whales. Well, tell me about bowhead whales, Sarah. Um, You know, I don't know too much except that they're slow moving and they're one of the only things out there up here. They, they are. That is not true. There are a lot of other things out there. Yeah. All right. Well, they're big. People eat them raw here mm-hmm. and they used to be endangered and they're not anymore. Yep. Which is great. Yep. All right. That was fun. It was weird. <laughs> hey, you know what? You got to keep it interesting over here, right? Yeah, that's true. But um... beep, 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 breaking news update. Kaiju Coffee Break update. We have two pieces of breaking news hot off the wire here at Kaiju Coffee Break. I was not prepared for this. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> uh, okay, the first piece of news is we have to all uh, offer our congratulations to Lee on his college graduation. Yes, I walked yesterday. It was great. And I am exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the taxi on the way home because you just take taxis around here. We don't have a car. And he says, no offense, but I don't want to talk to anyone tomorrow at all. And I was like... No, I mean, I get it. That's fine. But also, I thought we were recording a podcast. (laughs) So there's one thing and then silence for the rest of the day. No. Lee doesn't have it within himself to be silent to me. No. That's true. (laughs) All right. The second piece of breaking news, slightly less breaking, but still very exciting, is we got our first listener email. Yes, we did. Austin, if you're out there and you're listening to this, thank you so much. Your letter literally made our month. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, we were very happy to see it. I'm still riding the high of that letter. I responded to you, but I will say again, too, that the movie you suggested sounds great, and we just got to figure out how to get it so we can watch it. Yeah, we are working on getting Dogara. Unfortunately, it's not available on any of the streaming services, and Amazon wants $30 for it. Uh, For a DVD. (laughs) Yeah, so we're working on it. We might do that eventually, but we'll get there. Yeah, it'll happen. Don't worry, but it may not happen right this second. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um... Might as well ask you about this. I had an idea for some Patreon bonuses. Oh, yeah. Tell me. Um, well, we I know Andrew has one where he will watch Cats if someone donates like 30 bucks or something. I, feel I am like, not going to watch Cats. <laughs> not Cats. Okay, good. I feel like we should come up with some movies that aren't exactly kaiju movies. Oh. That if someone really wanted us to watch. Well, what if we said donate a certain amount of money and we'll watch whatever movie you want us to watch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like that's better. Like, mm. as long as, I mean, I think we have to set out that I, we're not going to watch, like, pornographic <laughs> of, movies, course, of course. Obviously. This is a show for families. Yeah. <laughs> anything, like, that's not, well, you know, that's, I don't want people to think, like, oh, anything. Mm. No. Um, anything that's, like, within the scope of, I would think, a movie podcast. Of our show. And that we can get. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's movies that we would really enjoy and love to watch, but mm-hmm. we can't, we don't have access to because of whatever reason yeah I, I just want it to be kaiju related somehow even if that's like clifford the big red dog or something is there a clifford movie there has to be i don't think there is made for tv or something oh my goodness what about barney the dinosaur yeah that too <laughs> new kids every season all right well fine oh boy yeah my dad used to say that too <laughs> uh clean your room or barney's gonna eat you mm. um all right well yeah sure okay so donate uh what 30 uh, let's call it 20. Okay. Hey, we're cheap. We're a cheap day over here. Donate $20 to our Patreon uh, or even just our PayPal, <laughs> whatever you want. 
<laughs> if you want to donate money to us, uh, just hit us up. We have plenty of ways you can get us money. Mm-hmm. Uh, donate $20 to the show or pants spending, and we will watch the movie of your choice within the reason that I already set out. Yeah. All right. So remember, we're a cheaper date than Andrew dressed. <laughs> <laughs> when you think cheap date, think well, Kaiju Coffee Break. We're not going to watch Cats. That's, that's true. The, that's the defining that's no that's fair i actually appreciate him holding out for more money there because i i will not watch cats i'm gonna say that right now Mm -hmm. no i don't care if you can find some way to link it to being a kaiju movie i'm not watching that maybe it was the butthole cut but the butthole cut does not exist lee it is not real (laughs) are you telling me the butthole cut's a lie yes (laughs) i i firmly believe that if there was a really a butthole cat cut of cats out there we would it would be out there by now there's no way how could that they keep that a secret well we know about it but it's not out we don't there's no access to it we don't know it's real my heart wants to believe okay (laughs) how's your coffee it's good i like this coffee so tell us how you got this coffee for us so um after we all got set up here in ukiavik um I took a little trip down to my hometown of Ketchikan for about a week and helped my family out with projects and just kind of hung out with them I came back with like 10 pounds of coffee (laughs) (laughs) and this is one of them it is from raven's brew coffee in ketchikan yep it is called their uh, dharma beans blend it's a medium roast it is actually one of my favorite uh, roasts of coffee good news it's discontinued yeah (laughs) but it is one of my favorites period i'm sad to see it go um the description on the bag is elegant very silky rich body with notes of caramel pecans and a hint of cinnamon and orange Light, clean acidity, carities, this cup of sweet mystique and delight, medium roast. But I'm really glad that I got to go to get a bag of that, especially if it's going. So I got to savor every last sip. Yeah, I'm glad you got that too. Sorry. You were talking, <laughs> so I took, the, took that as an opportunity to uh, take a sip of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, um, I've been drinking my coffee different than normal because like normally I, I like put a little sugar in there and then I put some creamer and we've got these flavored sugars and everything, but... We have two grocery stores here in Ukiavik, and one of them, they have different stuff, and they're across town from each other, and we don't have a car. <laughs> so we kind of alternate going to the different ones. Like, one of them is quite a bit bigger, but there's some weird stuff that it just does not have. Like, they don't carry half and half at this larger yep. grocery and store. the other one's smaller, but a little more expensive. Yeah. So the other one is called AC, or it's short for Arctic Coast uh, mm-hmm. Company or Alaska Company. I can't remember what it's called. We call it AC. Everyone calls it AC, yeah. Um, so the stock pack has most other stuff, including a bunch of stuff from Costco, but they don't have half and half. And sometimes they don't have bananas in the stock pack. Mm. And then there's AC, which always has bananas and always has half and half. Um, I haven't been to AC in a while, so we don't have any creamer. So I've (laughs) been drinking like coffee creamer, like the stuff that comes in the jug that has the sugar already in it and stuff. Yeah. You got that while I was gone, didn't you? Yeah. It was a big jug. So I've been going through it, but it. I don't care for like pre-made coffee creamers typically, and I'm going to talk about this for a minute just because I've seen coffee adjacent, and, like, okay thing <laughs> sure. to talk about. But like, do you notice that like the pre-made ones that that are from like uh, was it International f- Finest or you know the ones that are like only barely dairy mm-hmm. or not even dairy at all? They have like a weird slippery kind of soapy consistency to them. I think oily or something. Yeah, because I think it's because they add like non-hydrogenated oils and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. That is not a good mouthfeel to me. <laughs> so I will occasionally have like a coffee mate in my coffee if I'm at work and I don't have any other option because mm. <laughs> we have like a Keurig at work. <laughs> um, but this is from Derrick Gold and it just has like vanilla and caramel flavors and then mm. half an hour. 
So it was as close as I could get to actually good coffee creamer. And it's not bad. It's not half and half, but it's not bad. Yeah. And uh, we, I had been buying these like coffee sugars, you know, the ones that had the flavors in them. No, I know. Yeah. I like the, I like the one that had cinnamon and orange and vanilla in them. And yeah, that one's very good. The shipping was like $30 to get more (laughs) of here. So I thought I would have some shipped to my mom's house because she's coming to visit us in June. But I actually think that I, I could probably make it myself. Mm-hmm. like using or- candied orange peel and vanilla beans and stuff. So uh, that's going to be a work in progress. I'll let you guys know how it goes. Yep. It'll be a fun experiment. Yeah, I think so. But that's the latest on Sarah's coffee intake. Thanks for uh, listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other thing is, is that it's been a year since I got my favorite coffee mug. Mm-hmm. This is doesn't sound like very exciting news, but it was lab week a, week a year ago. And lab week is like the week long celebration of medical laboratory professionals. Yeah. And one of the things that my alma mater did was did a contest to um, win a coffee mug that's like purple. And, and it says uh, medical laboratory sciences behind the scenes, heroes, et cetera, on it. And mm. it's my favorite color, too, because I love purple. And so the the like prompt to win was who inspires you or keeps you sane or like who's a model for you as a medical technologist Mm -hmm. and me and my friend kim both tagged each other (laughs) in it and so we both won the mug that's very cute yeah i was like because i i didn't even see that she had said something and so we were like right next to each other saying oh it's it's kim i love that i can tell her anything about what's going on and she'll you know listen Mm -hmm. to me and then it was the same thing for her for me so it was Mm -hmm. really sweet (laughs) because <laughs> we were classmates so yeah yeah and for a while there we were working seven on seven off night shifts like at the same time mm-hmm. so our schedules aligned and yeah did we jump out of a plane with her or no that was jody yeah yeah i actually haven't met kim in real life but her and i have been classmates and we went from classmates to friends and it's it's just proof that you can be online friends with someone and yep it's the same as being real life friends with them for sure so and we buy uh, Girl Scout cookies from her daughter every year <laughs> and every year I make the same joke that I think she should deliver them herself mm-hmm. all right so we watched uh, uh this is actually also a fan suggestion yep this movie mm-hmm. um so Pulgasari is the name of the movie we watched it was suggested by our, our uh, listener and fellow podcaster Sarah Kennedy uh, thank you Sarah for the recommendation Yep, um, we watched it on YouTube. I think there's other ways to get it, but we couldn't find them. <laughs> yeah, my understanding is you can also sometimes pick up like a bootleg copy of it mm. at like conventions and that kind of stuff. But at that point, you might as well just watch it on YouTube. Oh yeah, this movie is not in copyright. It was made by the North Korean government. It's been banned in North Korea now. Like, mm. it, no one holds the copyright <laughs> on this. You can feel pretty comfortable in watching it on YouTube without yeah. too much of ethical quandary. All right, so this movie came out in 1985. You can find it on YouTube, obviously. We're not going to link to it, but if you search Pulgasari, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Tell me about this movie. Or should we talk about the history about it first? Um, let's go with the history first. Okay, let's go back in time, 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 time. <laughs> Copyright, TM, TM. Um, That's already taken. I know. <laughs> I'm taking it. No. Um, so I'm not doing a Sarah's Science Hour. So this just consider this your Sarah's History Hour. We will have a link to the article that we used that you and I both separately used to research this mm. in the comments from Vanity Fair. So this movie was produced by Kim Jong-il, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of a weird thing to say, but we'll get there. So Kim Jong-il, when he, before he was the supreme leader of North Korea was the son of the supreme leader. The, I think the first supreme leader of North Korea. And he was a movie buff. He was, he actually set up uh, a bootleg or underground film 
distribution network in North Korea for foreign films that were banned by his father. But he felt that, for one thing, he just really enjoyed film as as media. And also he felt that it was a good way to introduce North Korean values and North Korean propaganda to the world and gain standing in the eyes of North Korea. His father eventually agreed and put him in charge of the propaganda arm of the North Korean government. And to that end, he kidnapped people Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make them come to North Korea to make movies for him because he recognized that, that the capabilities of the North Korean film industry were not that great and also were not improving. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happens when you close off your country, yeah. right? Like they don't have any way to like improve. And to that end, the first person that he kidnapped was Choi Yoon-hee, uh, a South Korean film actress who was pretty famous at the time. His actual target was Shin Sang-ok, who was like the premier South Korean movie director at the time. Yeah, He was a huge fan of Shin's work and wanted him and realized that the best way to get to him was via his actually ex-wife at mm-hmm. the time, Choi Yoon-hee. Who were he kid- they divorced? What I read was separated. They were, well, okay. So they were separated. Whether they were divorced or not, I think it's been kind of lost of time. Yeah. But they were not together. However, they kidnapped Choi Yoon-hee. She, was, she went to China like with the prospect of filming something, and it turned out that they, she was actually going to North Korea. They had a habit of kidnapping people this way. Um as you'll find out. Yeah. So so she goes she goes to North Korea, she gets kidnapped, she's held there. Now she's missing in South Korea and as her separated husband, divorced ex-husband, whatever, Shin Sang-wok, the director is like a lot of people are suspecting him. So he goes to look for her, also gets kidnapped. Mm. Uh the two of them eventually actually got remarried while they were in captivity. It's not clear to me whether they actually like wanted to get married or whether that's it seemed like that was something that Kim Jong il wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. But as far as I could find, they never got divorced. Hmm. So they stayed together right. after that. But now he's got both of them and he forced them to make like five or six movies together. Seven total. Yeah. Seven. She's not in the last one. She's not in Pulvasari. Yeah. So Kim Jong-il forces them to make these movies. He also kidnaps the film crew as well. He gets the the Heisei-era Godzilla people. Mm-hmm. They think they're coming to work in China. <laughs> and again, now they're in North Korea. An entire flight of people. <laughs> right. Uh, including the the man who worked in the suit. Yep. The Okay, we're going to say his name later. but We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah we're getting there. So... so Kim Jong-il kind of revives the flagging North Korean film industry basically by taking talent from other places, mm-hmm. notably Shin Sang-wok, who he holds in captivity until shortly after Polgasari was finished. After that, they actually escaped. Yeah. So he let the film crews go, but he held on to Shin Sang-wok and his wife. Um, that's kind of the backdrop that this movie is set against. And I, I feel... Like making this podcast, I've kind of maybe a little bit put off recording this because I still don't know exactly the right way to approach kind of making fun of a movie that has such sad circumstances around it. Like this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to laugh. And this is sad. It's sad for everyone involved. The whole story of North Korea is sad. Yeah. Like this director, Shin Sang-ok, was actually born in Japanese held at the time North Korea or at the time Korea, now North Korea. Um, so he was really from North Korea. Uh, and there's just so much sadness about the story of North Korea from when it was occupied by Japan during World War II to then occupied by the Soviets. And then it became North Korea and everyone is starving. Yeah. Like it's it's sad. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't I want to find a way to kind of like I don't want to put out a bummer of a podcast, but also I want to recognize that this is is a bummer. Yeah. Now, everyone 
involved has eventually did make it out of North Korea. The crew that were kidnapped, the, so like the film crew, not not the director and not the actress. Apparently, they were they were basically treated like they were there for a job and they were let go at the end. Mm-hmm. So as soon as Pulgasari was done, they were let go. However, it took a while longer for Shin Sang-ok and his wife to get out of North Korea. And they didn't even go back to South Korea for a long time afterwards because they were afraid that the South Korean government was going to believe them. Mm-hmm. That they were going to be treated like defectors. And that's really sad, too. Yeah. Like, I, there's, just, there's just so much sad about this. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess that's been Sarah's history hour. Was there anything you wanted to add? Well, we're going to talk about some of this stuff in more depth, but I just um, wanted to give a background. Anything I would add will show up in trivia or other places as we go. Okay. So as I said, this movie was directed by Shin Sang-ok. Um, this was the last movie that he made before him and his wife escaped the United States. Yep. It was produced by uh, Kim Jong-il. Yes, that Kim Jong-il mm-hmm. you wrote in here. <laughs> uh, movie by So jong Gon. Music. Uh, sorry, music by So jong Gon. Uh, runtime was 96 minutes or one hour and 36 minutes. Yes. Uh, and we only have one kaiju in this movie, and that's uh, Bulgasari. He shows up as a tiny little rice handmade figurine 19 minutes and comes to life three minutes later. And um, there's like a montage of him battling at 47 minutes where he goes from about human size to Godzilla size. Giant. All right. So are you ready to do a one minute plot synopsis? As ready as I'll ever be. I am looking for my timer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, hang on. Okay. Uh, Ready? Yep. Go. All right, we are in like a feudal era of South Korea, and there's famine going on, and a government that's trying to take too much from its people. For example, they're taking farming equipment to turn them into weapons for who knows why. And when a blacksmith is told to turn those tools into weapons he refuses and gives them back and get subsequently gets arrested and killed for it during that he makes a little figurine of Bulgasari and asks the gods to give it life so that it can protect the people it does and eventually takes down bigger and bigger leaders up to the leader of the country itself at which point it kind of turns on the people and then dies you felt you have to admit that you fell asleep at the end of this movie lee i I, I did and i like i i did rewatch it and i didn't fall asleep there but it was on like double time (laughs) okay so the way that it ends is it's not that he turns on the people it's just that he's insatiable for iron yeah pulmasari eats iron Mm -hmm. and he's so insatiable that the main character ami realizes that they would have to like eventually go to war and invade other countries in order to keep him fed yeah. And he came to life with her blood. So they're linked, the two of them. And so she hides in a metal bell and convinces him to eat it. And thus he kills her and mm. the spell is broken. Yeah. From what I read, he is supposed to be a take on capitalism, like overtaking and eventually hurting the people that right. tries to help. The take that on this movie that I saw was more of an oppressive government and I, its people. I think that. And I, I wanted to talk about this in what was amazing or awesome or something. What well, was awesome. Because the the fact that this movie managed to get made as is is pretty impressive mm-hmm. as as both on the surface a take on unfettered capitalism, which is what Kim Jong-il wanted, yeah. but also an oppressive tyrannical government, um, which is what I'm sure Shin Sang-ok wanted yeah. and managed to get by the North Korean censors probably because they, they're used to being treated as like supreme 
you know, divine leadership in North Korea. So obviously it couldn't be talking about them. Mm-hmm. So the lack of self-awareness there is, is pretty interesting. But anyways, so that's that is the storyline of Pulisari. Yep. And it would be almost interesting to see the original because this was based on a different, like a movie that was made in South Korea in 1962. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many of those themes are also in that. Yeah, I don't know. Like if that movie still existed, I would watch it for sure. But who knows? All right. So who was who in this movie? We have Chang Song Kui as Ami. We've got Hang Gisop. Hang Gisop as Inde, who yep. was like her love interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pang Il Pak as the governor. And Kenpachiro Satsuma, who is Japanese, as Pulgasari. He played Godzilla in the Heisei area, era. From so, 84 to 95. Yeah, well, this movie was made, basically. Yeah. This was, I mean, he was kidnapped by the North Korean government as well as the rest of the film crew. They were kept separate from the North Korean government. And he had given interviews, because he's still alive. Mm-hmm. He gives interviews and talks about how strange it was that they were throwing gifts and lavish things at him to, to maintain his cooperation at the same time that he could see people starving out his windows. Yeah, uh, one thing I read what talked about how how he mentioned offhand that he missed a type of beer and then the next day he had like cases of it. So it's it's hard to believe that the North Korean government didn't see that in this movie. Mm-hmm. But whatever. So <laughs> we got trivia now. All right. Um I think we've covered a lot of this. Yeah, but we'll go through it. And we'll okay, see. so this was based on a South Korean film of the same Name made in 1962, but there's no remaining copies. Yeah, it's lost to time. And I've also seen that it may or may not have existed. And that could have been like a fabrication in the movie itself. I mean, 1962 was not that long ago. How could we not know for sure whether the movie existed or not? I don't know. That's so weird. Yeah. (laughs) But I saw conflicting things on that, which is also worth noting. Like, that's so weird. No, that is very strange. What else we got? Um, From Vanity Fair, uh, quote, According to Satsuma, he and the crew members thought they had been hired for a film shooting in China when they landed in North Korea and said, that would be so weird. We've flown over South or North Korea. No, I, well, we had to take a cur- We like basically flew over Russia. We flew around North Korea. Yeah. We didn't actually go above the airspace, Yeah, which still, was weird in itself. It would but. be pretty wild to think we were going to Incheon, South Korea and just like landed in Pyeongchang. Yeah. <laughs> or China for that matter. Well, yeah, that would have been weird too, but they were expecting to go to China. Yeah. Uh, you'd think that at some point Japanese people and South Korean people would stop taking jobs in China. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in addition to the uh, 1962 may or may not have existed, Bulgasari, um, this is also based on an actual tale of Bulgasari with a bee, a metal eating monster, combined with the return of Godzilla in 1984, which we have yet to watch. It's kind of common, I think, for bees and peas to be kind of interchangeable, sort of like L's and R's, mm-hmm. I think. So that doesn't surprise me that Bulgasari and Pulgasari may be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, what do we got? Jonathan Ross stated that the film was intended by the North Korean government to be a propaganda metaphor for the effects of unchecked capitalism and the power of the collective. And I, I mean, I can see that. Mm-hmm. It's it's effective in that way. Yeah, the unchecked capitalism, I didn't see until after reading that that's what that was supposed to so be So you about. didn't see the, like, both the, the tyrannical dictator trying to take the metal and then also the monster that it's insatiable mm-hmm. like it just keeps eating more and more and more you don't see that as a no i look i do okay. but i am more saw like as a, a people rising up against the tyrannical leaders mm-hmm. that is not capitalism to me that's a that's different no but i definitely like I, I yeah i see what you mean the power of the collective is more the fight against the government mm-hmm. but the unfettered capitalism is more 
Pulgasari himself, yeah. I think. No, I know. I get that. And I, I did. I have to say that I did like that about this movie. Like it was a little bit deeper than mm-hmm. some of the more recent Godzilla movies, especially like since this was made during the Heisei period, which was <laughs> not exactly known for its deep political uh, statements. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate that this movie did have something to say. Yeah. And talking about unfettered capitalism is actually like modern. That's something that we're still having that conversation today. Yeah. I do think, though, that it's easier for me to watch this movie and forget that it was made in the 80s <laughs> uh, because it really is pretty in line with a lot of like the 60s movies that we've been watching more yeah, recently. Yeah, as far as like the technology and special effects. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't feels, believe that it was made in the, the 80s. It feels like a, it came before Astro Monster. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And then that's just because they were really behind. Like you can import a film crew if you want, but that's not going to give you access to the computer technology and stuff that you need to make special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, Kampachiro Satsuma preferred Pulgasari to TriStar's Godzilla. Yep, that was the 90s. It's hard to believe that he was like kidnapped and he was still like, I liked this movie better. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that really says how much he didn't like that 90s one. Okay, but have you read about what they did to this man in no, I... in their Godzilla suit? Okay, so oh, when, yes, I when did we read. get to I did read that, when we yeah. get to the Heisei era, we might actually talk more about this, but like he passed out regularly from having to wear that rubber Godzilla suit and yep. also at one point, they like doused him in carbon dioxide to make it look like he was overheating, and he like really passed out. Yeah, that, like not one point that happened a few times. Yes. I did read that. So, <laughs> I can kind of understand how working conditions where he said he missed beer and someone gave him beer would be preferable to literally almost being killed multiple times. So that's not the Godzilla he's talking about. This is the '90s with um, the one that we watched for live. Oh, I see what you mean. Tristar. Okay. Tristar. So like okay. uh, with. Um, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's the Godzilla. A, again, low bar, okay? <laughs> <laughs> also rude. <laughs> Didn't the other Godzilla guy like that movie? Or was he liked the the new ones, the legendary the new versus ones? ones. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, this movie I need to try and find, and hopefully I don't have to buy a VHS player to watch it. But this is there's a loose remake of this movie called Gilgameth, which came out in 1996. It was made by Shing Sang Ok, and it's an American movie about a kid that goes to medieval times. So Shing Sang Ok, when he got him and his wife got asylum, they basically finally convinced the North Korean government after this movie came out that it would have been it would be good for the government for them to go to Vienna to promote it, mm-hmm. right? And once they got to Vienna, they managed to duck their yeah, their they guard. They got help from a reporter and they sought asylum with uh, the United States. They stayed in the United States for a long time because they were afraid to go back to South Korea, both because it would have been more dangerous for them, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And also because they just felt safer yeah. and, and were afraid that the South Korean government wasn't going to believe them. So they stayed in the United States and actually uh, Shin Sang-ok made a bunch of movies for the American market as well, um, including apparently Galgameth, which hopefully we can find because I don't want to buy a VHS player. <laughs> With yeah. that said, I know exactly where you go for one here. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a few here, but this is like a kid's movie about a metal-eating monster. So I am I would be happy to watch that, even if it's probably very bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys can pay $20 and we'll, and we'll watch we'll Galgameth. spend 50 on a VHS player in the movie. We are not spending $50 on a VHS player here. No, well, shipping for the movie. Oh, okay. 
so this is my fact. Uh, Pulgasari is actually a banned film in North Korea now um, because it's what allowed Shin Sang-ok to get away from the North Korean government. And in retribution, Kim Jong-il had his name removed from the movie and eventually banned it from theaters in North mm-hmm. Korea. So after all that work, he <laughs> Kim Jong-il didn't really ever get the kudos that he needed for this movie. Yeah, he got burned. Badly. and But I like the idea that he's like, well, I'm taking your name off the movies then from the United States. Shing Sang-ok is just like a middle finger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't care, man. Hey, I'm out of there. Yeah. <laughs> what do I care? Bye. Mm-hmm. All right. So this there's not a whole lot of like where this took place in the movie, uh, just aside from feudal Korea, which is during the Goryeo dynasty from 918 to 1392, somewhere in there. Yeah, it... It didn't even necessarily, like, there was nothing especially Korean about it, other than it was just in Korean. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it could have been any medieval place, but that's fine. Uh, let's talk about what you loved about the movie. All right. Um, not long after uh, Pulgasari comes to life, there's a scene where he's, like, three inches tall, and him and the lady whose blood brought him to life. And Ami. Her, yeah, Ami. And her brother are all sleeping in their house, and they've got Pulgasari tucked in. Like a little tiny monster tucked into bed. With it was all. so cute. I actually put down <laughs> as for what I loved that that was like the cutest kaiju ever. Mm-hmm. Seriously, like little baby Fulgasari was so adorable. <laughs> and our um, second main character, uh, Indy, he he looks like Liu Kang with eyeshadow. <laughs> Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. Which, by the way, we have to watch. Apparently, yes, I, I am. Yes, I have to definitely have to watch okay. that. Well, not for the, the podcast, just us. Yes, for fun. <laughs> or you can pay twenty dollars and watch it for the podcast. Yep. Uh, there's a scene in here that's not kaiju. That doesn't work. If they're paying, I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a scene in here um, when the government's trying to stop Pulgasari and the farmers' army from taking them over, and they do the most Godzilla thing ever, which is dig a giant hole and try and trap Pulgasari. <laughs> yeah, in they it. have a, a variety of Home Alone style traps that they attempt to use to capture and kill Pulgasari that are just all completely ineffective. But this one works for a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing is they all work for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ami goes and cries and brings him back to life and it's or, fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or Well, in this case, she like cut her arm. That's and, true. She sliced her arm open because yeah. he needs the iron from her blood. Or just her blood, her lifeblood. Yeah, whatever it is. It's a little unclear. Yeah. But yeah, they falls into a pit and gets buried. And that's the only time I've ever seen that work in a kaiju movie. <laughs> yeah, that's because Pulgasari is not super intelligent. Yep. And then later, Pulgasari like, tackles a castle, which is maybe the second most Godzilla thing ever. <laughs> um, what I loved about this movie was that Ami, the female main character, she has character development. She is like clearly the main character. She drives the movie forward. And her eventual decision to commit suicide in order to save her people is commendable, right? Yeah. Like, she is probably the most fully realized female character of any kaiju movie that I've (laughs) ever seen. And I did really like that. Mm -hmm. She is certainly not a damsel in distress at all. No, that's very true. Um, I guess we can move on to what we didn't love. Yeah, kidnapping people to make movies. Not a good thing. Yeah, don't recommend. Don't do that. (laughs) Thanks. That's bad. Makes me want to use some words I don't say on the podcast. Yeah, kidnapping people is bad. Um, I also felt like this movie was a little bit long and the ending was just drawn out. I got a little confused mm-hmm. about just the various plots that they were using to capture Pulisari, it the government, you know? Yeah. And it seemed like they captured him, but then suddenly he was free again. And I was a little confused about like the timeline of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of weird. 
Yeah, this movie wasn't actually that long, but it, content-wise, it, it came you up short. You fell asleep, Lee. That, well, what I'm saying is it came up short on content, even though the time of the movie was just overnight. It minutes. just kept cutting back and forth between the government and, and the people, and there was a lot of holes in the plot where like the people were trapped and starving on the mountain, and then suddenly they weren't, and it was not clear why, and so, so on and so forth. So, like, yeah, the plot was a, not super cohesive, Mm -hmm. Um, and it felt long, even if it wasn't actually long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think we're ready to go for a break now. Amazingly, we've made it through half the podcast without our cats going completely bonkers. Never say never. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll be back. Bye. Malam Keen, everyone. This is Deese, host of the social hour. Oh, that, that's just me playing the piano. I'm pretty good, aren't I? You know what else I'm good at? Making people laugh and talking to people, but more importantly, making you think sometimes. So tune into the social hour every Tuesday and Thursday at DeeseComedy.com and hear me talk to people like Libertarian presidential candidate Joe Jorgensen, comedian Steve Hofstetter, creator of the Savage Dragon and co-founder of Image Comics Eric Larson, and the guy who owns the weed shop on the corner by my house. (laughs) We've got range. Just... Like my abilities on this piano. Listen to me mix it up here. We'll just let that play. I'll see you this week on the social hour. And we're back. Welcome back to Kaiju Coffee Break, the podcast about giant nerds and the giant monsters who love them. I'm sure, Sarah. we're going with it. <laughs> I always mix that up. I wrote that line. Why is it so hard for me? Because it's not written. In this case, it's not now. Okay. Um, we're back to talk about what was ridiculous about Pulgasari, the 1980-something <laughs> North Korean <laughs> propaganda movie. We're still drinking our coffee, people. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay. So what did you not... Or what did... What was ridiculous? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have another sip of my coffee. You talk. Uh, the whole movie was ridiculous. Like from start to finish, just the stylistic, the acting, everything. This was a trip to watch. Like if you were able to separate out the political stuff from watching the movie, it's it's a ridiculous movie. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ridiculous movie. But I mean, I don't regret watching it. No. Was it my favorite movie I've ever seen? No. And it got me to learn more about Korea. And, yeah, I yeah. knew some about like the history of North Korea, but they don't really teach that a ton in school that I remember. And I don't know, it's a good time to refresh our memory on <laughs> on that. Uh, actually, I probably the most that I learned about that time period in that era was in a book. <laughs> um, what was it? The Wind Up Bird Chronicle mm-hmm. was partially set in Manchuria, okay. so I knew which is not North Korea to be clear, but like mm-hmm. is the area of Russia that is or China that is directly adjoining um yeah korea anyways so what was oh uh i think that these are all yours um probably so i'll run through them yeah. uh, there's a scene where the farmers are dropping boulders and thing and uh like tree trunks onto the army and you can clearly see that they are foam boulders as a couple of people actually catch them or they hit them and are deflected which is not how that would work (laughs) but it was still funny to notice (laughs) oh no super soldiers (laughs) yep and there's a scene where um 
the yeah we didn't mention there's a little brother yeah ami has a little brother that you didn't put in the, the no, characters I, there weren't many names as yeah. you might imagine yeah so ami has a little brother who's like kind of famously lazy yeah and at one point she asks him to go collect wood for the fires for the the farmer's army and he's like, Pulgasari, come with me. And then there's a scene where Pulgasari is just like decimating a forest to get firewood. <laughs> Unfettered capitalism, I'm telling you. <laughs> but I thought the point of that scene was to show how lazy her brother was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, there's some like feudal era rockets in this movie. They they look like gigantic Quacha arrows. But... I feel like that was like kim jong-il saying we have to put rockets in here yeah i think so (laughs) and they're like uh okay but they didn't function like the hawachas do they just looked like rockets yeah (laughs) and that wasn't even the like ultimate weapon they talked about at the end of the movie what was the it was they were cannons yeah they were just big cannons normal cannons so they have literal rockets and they're just like meh cannon now Uh Ooh. yeah and for that, the scenes with the ultimate weapon cannons, there, a couple of them hit Pulgasari, and then he figures out how to defend against them, and he defends by eating them and then spitting them back out at the army. Aren't cannonballs usually made of iron? Um, you think he'd want to just eat them? I thought they were lead, but I don't know. I don't think it matters what too heck much. Do I know? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we're going to talk about now what was awesome, and I think. Pugasari eating cannonballs and then shooting them back out of his mouth. It was awesome. Things can be two things. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Pulgasari's design I also thought was really interesting. Like he was kind of uh, bull-ish. Yeah, definitely. And the more metal he ate, the more armored he looked, which I thought was a nice touch as well. I actually just thought his whole like formation story was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, the the blacksmith, Abin's dad, was in jail, in prison, and they were not feeding him. So the other prisoners, including Inde, went on like a hunger strike. But Ami realized that she could, if she threw like rice up, she could get it into his cell mm. from like kind of a corner where the soldiers couldn't see. And so she sent him food to eat, but he didn't want to eat it. Instead, he turned, he like used it to form the Pulgasari. Yeah. And so he put his wishes into it and then she got it back when he died, like this figurine that he made and was just kind of just kept it. But then she accidentally cut herself and so she blood on it a little bit and that's how Pugasari came to life Mm -hmm. and so most of the time the monsters in the Godzilla universe are either created directly by the ill like will of human beings or just monsters Mm -hmm. so a monster made from like goodwill is kind of unique I think Mm -hmm. so I I like that I think that was awesome yeah there's a scene where the um, the army attempts to catch Pugasari and burn him to death and they do catch him they set him on fire doesn't work remember he's made of iron (laughs) yeah and so he submerges himself into a river and boils the soldiers to death that's how i catch fish in legend of zelda yeah just throw a bomb in there it works yeah they should have shown all the fish too and it was a pretty va way to like take out that army like i didn't see that coming that was clever yeah it was clever uh, I also thought it was awesome the amount of criticism of the North Korean government that the director was able to fit into the movie while still like getting it past North Korean censors and having Kim mm-hmm. Jong Il think that it was like some pro North <laughs> Korean propaganda piece. It was like that is amazing. Yeah, especially considering he was like actively planning his escape mm-hmm. as he was making this. Um, so I did. I thought that was pretty good. I think yeah. that this movie would not be enjoyable if it wasn't for the whole like historical and cultural backdrop of it. Mm-hmm. But that really makes it. Yeah. Um, I only have one quote here for us. Um, 
Why don't you start with us? It even ate my pot. Oh, your pot too? <laughs> and they're holding like these cooking implements that have like weird bites taken yeah. out of them. <laughs> it was just wonderful. He, he really just literally ate iron. It wasn't a matter of, of like absorbing it or making a part of it. He like literally would b- take bites out of stuff. Yeah. And not eat all of it, strangely. <laughs> At one point, he frees Indy by um, eating the chains that he's yeah. tied down I'm with. Thinking, that was when he was little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think that's about it. That's all um, we had to say about this movie. Why don't you give it, throw, throw us a rating for Pulgasari? Uh, let's see. I guess I would put it somewhere around one and a half to two out of five. Like, there are some good things about it. Uh, the history is not good about it. And I have to admit that I did fall asleep watching it the first time. <laughs> so it's kind of slow, even for 90 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I would say I agree with you, but a solid two with okay. historical and cultural context. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's sad, but I think that context really helps understand how this movie got made. And it's it's a really fascinating story and mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing that so few people know about this so I, like yeah. five out of five for the opportunity to like talk about this and share this story with other people thank you again sarah for that um however the movie itself is not like a masterpiece of filmmaking by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination even in the like kaiju arena it's mm. not great yeah unfortunately so i think that's about it is that it it's been a short podcast Do you have anything else you want to share um yeah, I think the last thing I wanted to talk about is that we are both excited to be getting back to our Showa Godzilla movies. Very excited. <laughs> yeah, the last one that we watched was Destroy All Monsters, which means that the next time you hear us, we will be talking about um, All Monsters Attack. <laughs> All Monsters Attack. So much different. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it well, means they survived. Well, yeah, I think we knew that. Or not. I mean, Destroy All Monsters was supposed to take place in like 2000s. So. Oh. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm so, just excited, honestly. It's been because we we did the the modern Godzilla movies, then we did Pulisari, and so it's been like the last one that we recorded that was a Showa Godzilla. We were still in Oregon. Yeah. It's so been that a was while. Well, a month and a half ago, at least. Uh, probably closer to two, two months. Yeah. It's been, admittedly, I just wanted to say to our listeners, thank you for being patient with us in this kind of time of change for us. We first had. Our move to Alaska, and then Lee was on. Lee went to go see his parents, and then he had unexpected dental surgery, and <laughs> everything has just been kind of up in the air. But we really want to get back to a twice a month uh, recording schedule coming up here as soon as we can. And then also, uh, June is going to be our one year anniversary of making Kaiju Coffee Break. Yep, I've been thinking about some changes to make to the show, and if you have any thoughts, shoot me an email. Yeah. I'd be happy to read. Yeah, we really. I mean, if you're like listening and you think, oh, they won't care about getting an email. Yeah, we absolutely will. It seriously made our month yeah. to get that email from Austin. So please send us an email. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, as always, you can leave us a review. That really helps other people find the show. Yep. Uh, and tell your friends if you're enjoying this podcast. We really appreciate it. it. We put a lot of work into it and making it kind of fun for our listeners. And mm-hmm. I have no like aspirations toward being a famous podcaster. But if people <laughs> get enjoyment out of it, then that, that makes my day. So Yeah, we have fun doing it, watching the movies. And we just hope that you have fun listening. Yeah, it's also something that we do kind of to spend time together. So yeah. uh, I think that that's all I have. Shall I take us out? Go for it. Kaiju Coffee Break is brought to you by Pants Pending Studios and our patrons on Patreon. Become a patron at patreon.com slash pantspending or make a one-time donation at 
nope that's not supposed to be there anymore i thought i don't do that (laughs) listen to new episodes every other sunday at kcb.pantspending.com or wherever you download podcasts and if you like what you hear consider leaving us a rating it really helps us out got something to say send us an email kaiju coffee break at gmail.com or tweet at us at break kaiju or hit us up on facebook at kaiju coffee break thank you as always to andrew and amanda of pants pending for the support and descend for bringing out the weirdo in all of us that's it all right have a good one yeah stay warm out there folks bye Welcome to the weird world of Nearly News. They came here for what Chris calls news. (laughs) Daily Mail reports a Chinese man nearly died after allegedly inserting a wiggling 16-inch eel into his backside to treat his constipation. Oh, oh, the spider to catch the fly. Man in Canada is raising eyebrows after being filmed in a drugstore scraping social distancing stickers off the floor, arguing that he is fighting to liberate the people. Let my people go. <laughs> Job Moses. <laughs> and of course, Burr Martin's Nearly News loves its subscribers. I would like to thank the following people. Weed Lord Boner Hitler. <laughs> Honky Wiener Fart. <laughs> Bone Lord COVID Hitler. <laughs> and finally, we'd like to thank Milo Balzac. <laughs> So if you like your news with a little bit of schadenfreude, subscribe now to Burr Martin's Nearly News. Thank you very much for the episode, and good night. <laughs> Ready? Uh, yeah, I think so.